Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Um, I am your host, or one of the hosts. I always have this problem. To Trunk or Jack, you can call me from now on. I think um, the uh, I'm joined as ever by the the hummus to my carrots, Mr. Raj Baines. How are you doing, Raj? I'm fine, thank you very much. I've never been called hummus before. And that's yeah. You know, I don't. I, the only reason I've been inspired to say that is because I just ate some hummus and carrots before I started recording. So excellent. I it, I prefer my hummus if we're having this discussion with uh, with warmed pita bread. It is nice with warmed pita bread. But I'm trying to see going along these this thirty year old. Uh, you can't eat bread, can you? I'm I'm cutting out bread, but well, uh, uh, in, to keep in with this theme, I was going to call him uh, him. I was going to call Seb the warmed pit bread, but I'll call him a, a, a toasty falafel. There we oh, go, nice. a toasty falafel into this, into this mezze mix. Um, <laughs> Mr. Sebastian Safferblor, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, mate. I, um, I'm, actually, I'm impressed. I think you're entitled to call yourself the host after that kind of intro. Oh, yeah. That's pretty... I, if, if, you, if you hadn't let on that you, you were just inspired by things that were sitting in front of you and it was like a pure ad lib, it would have probably been more impressive, but... See, but I, I don't want people analysing it, being like, "Why is he a carrot, and why is Bane's hummus? Is this some kind of There's some kind beeping, of elaborate conspiracy know. theory appearing on the internet?" I don't know. No, we can I, do uh, without that, yeah. probably. Yeah, it would have been worse if I was like Moroccan or something. Then it would have seemed a bit, you know, close to the bone. But another thing to do with your hummus, uh, I've just been uh, reminding myself is uh, if you've got like Nando sauce at home, if you just like put in a couple of drops of that, or Ooh. if you're not a fanny, put in a bit more, you can. Um, make it hotter, and it's really nice. I'm big on I'm big on my on my spicy food actually. I'm and I'm I'm not just kind of like one of the typical. I love spicy food, me. Like I'm I have a tolerance. I'm I'm good. Whatever, with it. Jack. You like tell it. us every Friday night you're down the Indian. You walk in. Give yeah. us the spiciest thing on the menu. That's it. Go home crying. Do you no remember streaming? Uh, do you remember uh, Goodness Gracious Me at all on uh, BBC Two? I do. I do remember I do. Goodness Gracious Me. Do you remember yeah. there going out for an English yeah, sketch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sketch, fantastic that. That's very fun. Give me the blandest thing on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> was... I would, uh, do you know? I would love to see the UKIP meltdowns over that nowadays. <laughs> yeah, like, it would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I'll tell you. I'll, t- I'll give you a quick story, just to you know, in my uh, my litany of disastrous encounters I've had throughout my life. Um, I, when I was kind of about nineteen twenty, um, and I got like Bobby Big Bollocks, 
about with one of my Trinidadian friends about like, oh, I can handle spice, I can do this, I can do that. As I guess, as a kind of like in joke on their side, they were like, eat one of these chilies, and and they actually they gave me like a, a raw Scotch bonnet to eat. Um, and I just sat there and munched this Scotch Scotch bonnet raw. I was like, yeah, it's not that hot, it's, it's fine. Oh, and then man. about thirty seconds later, my face like just uncontrollably was swelling. I had a tongue like Harry Kane, basically. I would, yeah, <laughs> drool everywhere. Could barely speak. Is that um, like the, the, the Simpsons episodes when he, when when he um when he he goes into that kind of alt world? He, he goes to the, he goes to the chili festival. Eats a chili, and he, he ends up sort of like chasing <laughs> yeah, that weird little turtle like through the, the desert. <laughs> I uh, yeah, and no, but I, I, I actually started to get a bit worried at one point. I started getting like genuine like heart palpitations and stuff <laughs> because it was uh, it was that hot. But yeah, that was so. Uh, I ate. But you uh, you want to try? Don't actually live far from you. They're in uh, in Plumstead. But my auntie Tess, um, she 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 makes, she makes it a very famous hot sauce. It's uh, too similar to Encona, but it makes it Encona tastes like milk Ooh. compared so i remember like one of the first times i had it as a kid um like going over and having some chicken or whatever and uh like she brings out the hot sauce and dad was like i'll oh, try some of that it's lovely and he's like oh don't put too much on and usually like if we have a sunday roast or, or something at home or have some rice and pea or something um i always just drown it in encona um and usually end the meal in <laughs> head sweats um but um I, I like put on a fair bit of this and then like just cut, sort of looked at her after I'd taken a few bites like what the f- is in this it was absolutely outrageous but it is one of the tastiest things you'll ever try in your life it is wonderful I still to this day I'm not entirely sure what she puts in it but it's uh, it, it, the result of which is fantastic we Last time I was over, I was joking with uh, with Uncle Ron that although they're retired, we should get them on Dragon's Den and do sort of a reggae reggae sauce version <laughs> of this and sort of bottle it and sell it because I think it would be a, a massive hit. Although comparing it to reggae reggae sauce is a bit harsh because that tastes like shit. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah, it's, don't taste of anything. It's nasty. I, I, I don't understand what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan. But uh just cuz he sang a nice song on his way in that he gave him money. Well, you just you saw all their eyes light up, didn't you? You could see it those kind of like the awful dragons just like, you know. <laughs> how how can we market this man as a cultural gimmick? But, you know, you know what? Was... I preferred I preferred his moment to I mean, I don't really watch anymore, but every now and again you get someone that um I, I there was a guy who um there's a Scottish guy who came on once and he he was selling. He wanted them to invest in this, in this weird kind of haggis hybrid product that he'd decided to not build but cook, um, obviously. <laughs> and um, and one of, he he finished his sort of elaborate twenty minute pitch, and um, one of them just turned around and goes, "What's to stop anyone else cooking it in exactly the same way?" And he couldn't. He just he was completely flummoxed. And it, I just, I don't know, the, the kind of, I, I preferred Levi Reitz when he went on. I just thought he was a little bit more lighthearted because some of the guys are just so, I don't know, there's something quite dislikable about a lot of the people who pitch on Dragon's Den. Um, something sort of self-congratulatory. I really like it when somebody thinks they've invented like the, <laughs> the next wheel. big thing. <laughs> and like the first question completely crumbles everything they've got and they realise they've spent three mortgages yeah. and four years of their oh, life creating sure. absolute shit. Well, you know, 60 of it on a trip to Vegas, 20 on the product, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that, exactly that. Got the bank loan. How many of these can you make a month? 
about four if I work really hard in my shed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, wankers. Um, football. Mm. England. England Hotspur, as I as as I called it in the tweet. Apologies again for that. Um, it was it was. I'm I'm not I'm not big into the whole kind of international football as a as a supporter. I like it as a spectacle. I love the World Cup and so on and so forth. But I'm not like you know painting my face with a Union flag and all that kind of thing or a St George's Cross, I should say. Um, but it, there was something I, I found it. I I I probably got swept up in the fervor of of Kane mania, so on and so forth. It's been WrestleMania. I've just called it Kane mania. That supplants WrestleMania for me, I think. Um, but I, I was looking forward to watching England play and Harry didn't disappoint, did he? Yeah, what was it, 79 seconds into his debut? 83 or 79, one of the, with one of the two. But, uh, yeah, I've seen various figures for that. I'm amazed as to how they manage with all the technology available not to come up with a definite figure as to how long he was actually on the pitch, but it was less than a minute and a half. A lot of people said he scored of his first touch as well. I was one of them. So I was, oh, I was yeah, mate, sorry. I, 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 because I, I, you were I, a full tabloid. I was, um, I was, there was, I was, I was getting upset about something on Twitter during that passage <laughs> of play. I think I was moaning. I think I was moaning about Theo Walcott's inclusion or something. And Kane scored, and it was kind of it was slightly karmic. It denied me of my sort of Twitter moment because I was digging out an Arsenal player. Um, but it was um, it was it was entirely predictable though, wasn't it? I mean, in a nice way. But it was just you just thought, yeah, that that kind of fits with the rest of the season. So it just it's I don't know it's that kind of everything he touches turns to gold yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But it was it was just it was nice to get it out of the way because it, if he hadn't have scored then and then he hadn't have scored against Italy, you know that the narrative would have turned to ah he can't cut it at the top level blah 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 blah. But it's it's almost like just getting that goal out of the way and you, so on and so forth. You, is you guys see the 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 I mean I, we all knew this was going to happen if he scored, but did you see some of the stuff that was written the day after? I mean. It, it was embarrassing. Oh. Can he beat Rooney's record? Can he beat within? Moore's yeah, he barely oh. finished celebrating his goal, and there was there was something in the mirror, like you said, Jack. About yeah, um, Rain, Wayne Rooney's about to um, to surpass uh, Bobby Charlton's record. Um, how long will it stand? And you're just thinking, Christ, give him a just enjoy him, just let him let him play and let him score a few goals and. Just, just I, I don't know, that's kind of the protective part of me kicking in. I just don't want England to get their clammy little hands on, on a Tottenham player and ruin him. It was just nice to see. I think it's, uh, from a Spurs perspective, I mean, I, you know, people talk about this whole, like, oh, it gave the nation a lift and all this kind of stuff. So I don't really buy into mm. all that. I don't really care about yeah. that, to, to be honest, you know. Um I just think for for the player himself, yeah, it's, it. it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge for him. It's kind of, it's... It, not only is it going to give him a, a lot of confidence, it's 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 good to just get that validation from people that aren't just Spurs fans as well. Um, I think that's that's really important for a young player to to not just kind of be destroyed by everyone. As much as we can kind of look at the fact that he has risen to a lot of challenges so far, um, you know, like when he did start scoring goals, we were even skeptical at times that you know maybe he's going to get overexposed and you know we don't want him to burn out too quickly so on and so forth but it's it's good to see that he can still come under that amount of scrutiny 
and still play well. I mean, even against Italy, he didn't score, but I, I still think he put in a fine performance against Italy as well. Um, although I wasn't watching the game too intently, if I'm honest. Like the the bits and pieces I did see, though, he looked like he was he was useful when he got the chance. You, um, you know what was weird though that I and I, I caught myself thinking this during that Italy game after Townsend had equalised, and it looked like there was another goal in the game. I remember thinking to myself, if England get another chance in this match, I want it to fall to, to Kane rather than Rooney. Can you imagine thinking that five years ago? Yeah, it's just it was crazy. I didn't tweet it or anything. I just thought that's that, and it was completely genuine because I don't, I don't know, I have a weird lack of trust for Wayne Rooney in front of goal. I just, I think he's, I don't know what's. He just looks like a. I'm not sure uh, whether if if he was captain, he he would be worth a place on the side. Um, but he, um, yeah, you just you just have this weird trust in uh, in Kane's finishing ability now, immediately, even at, even at international level. So, did you uh, did you think anything about Ryan Mason? It seemed quite strange that he. Well, I don't know. It seemed kind of strange to me that they sort of shoehorned him in. Um, it's it, again, that's that's good for us. Um, with Spurs giving like more of our young players a bit of confidence, but it's I don't know. It just I think his whole inclusion into the team seemed a bit seemed a little bit odd, didn't it? Um, it did. I mean, I, I, I was happy to see him get on the pitch because I think that um, even Ryan Mason would probably be probably admit that he's a little fortunate to get a call up this time round because he, had it not been for injuries, he probably wouldn't have made the cut. That's not to say he won't in the future, but I, I was just, I, I was worried that if he didn't get on last night, then you never know what's going to happen in the future, and you never know which player is going to fall in favour. Um, and so I just, it was just a nice moment. I, I'm not sure it's significant in any way. I, I like Mason. He's the kind of player that I, I want to see in the England squad. Because so, he's someone that you kind of gravitate towards because of the way he plays stylistically. Kind mm-hmm. of a, a grafting player rather than a sort of um, a sort of uh, more of a, a technical-based footballer. I mean, he's very technically capable, but you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of graft to his personality. Um and it was just nice, and I there was that lovely shot, which um, I'm not ashamed to admit is now um, on my desktop, um, of all four of our players celebrating. Um, it is nice. Actually. I just uh, yeah, it's, it's a kind of child me. I just thought, yeah, I like that. It's just all of them there together. That was lovely, really nice. I liked uh, B- Billy T put out a, a nice little tweet about that actually, where it was like Pochettino's quote in. Uh, in in June, I think he said it was something along the lines of, you know, if I can make Tottenham Hotspur fans proud of the club um, over the course of this season, then I'll know I'll have done a good job. And then he juxtaposed it with that shot from last night. And it was, or it was something like, if I can give Spurs fans something to be proud of this season, yeah. then I'll know I'll have done a good That's job. That's what I found, um, pride. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was good. One of my more, kind of along that line, one of my more kind of far-flung theories, it just came to me slightly I was wondering if Mason's inclusion was maybe Hodgson doing that more for Kane's benefit than anything if Kane is seen as this kind of like jewel in the England crown at the moment to just get him into an an environment where he's surrounded by familiar faces and he kind of feels a bit more at home if he is seen as a kind of a, a quieter lad and there's a lot of pressure on him to have some of these lads that he's playing alongside at the moment week in week out to kind of just thumb him in for want of a better expression into the side but you know 
I haven't really put any serious thinking into that, but you, you put some. <laughs> yeah, I've put some thinking. I, d- I don't often exercise serious thought, to be honest. But you know, there's a bit of thought in there. That's not bad. I, 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 I think I mean, it might do a little disservice to, to to Ron Mason, but I don't think it's yeah. a bad theory. I think it's kind of. I think it was definitely probably helpful for him to be there for Kane essentially to have. I mean, I, I suppose they're quite close, so um, it does make sense. But I think Mason, Mason earned the chance to play for England, but. I don't know. I just, I'm not sure how soon that opportunity is going to come again for him. All right, that's it. I'm, I'm pitching that to you, Max. Get, get me the end, Baines. Get me the end, mate. That's it. I'm going to pitch it now. I've used my one friend referral to get Seb in the door, sadly, so I'm <laughs> not allowed to uh, to have another. It's like those. Uh, it's like those gym. It's like those gym passes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seb, Seb got the induction, and they they took him on. So uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to. I won't do that to you. Mate. <laughs> um. It's a, I, don't, I don't know. Have you got any, anything more to add about England? Anyone? Carl Walker again, defensively suspect, but you know. I think they all were. I think the the tactics were wrong. Playing a diamond against a five uh, three two is just uh, asking to get done on the way. Yeah, asking to get done on the wings is. Uh, it's pretty much how we set that team up. I mean, you you only have to see the the state Nathaniel Klein was in. I know the uh, the substitution that was made was a pre-planned one, and Modi Nardi made the uh, the journalists on tour aware of before the the game had kicked off. But I think Klein sort of saw himself as being a bit lucky as to coming off because Damian's not a bad player at all, and the the oh, I narrowness. Think it was agreed, Raj. I think Klein. I think they said in the commentary that Klein was always due to come off. Yeah, I said that. I said that. They're, they're, oh, right, um, sorry. That they'd uh, prearranged it, but um, they were Damian's fantastic, and the 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 tactics were wrong. That the side was far too narrow. So it's uh, if you're looking to beat Carl Walker with that stick, which I know people are falling over themselves to beat Carl Walker with these days, he's he's usually the player that people fall out with. Um, he's um, well, Lamella hasn't been on the pitch, mate. So yeah, there's got to be someone. Um, right, well, let's uh, we, let's do some uh, let's do some listener questions. Anyway, we'll go into some of those before we talk about Burnley. Um, could prove a nice little segue. Um, we've had one from Joby Wicks, um, who is at Joby Wicks, um, and he asks: Was wondering if you saw the minutes from the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust meeting and the part about transfers. Um, it said that Daniel Levy backed the coach and technical director, but wasn't sure with the technical director. I'm not. Well, I, he, it's kind of two questions there. But he kind of. The, I, Joby. I, 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 I've skimmed over these because we, they, they, they turned up just before we started recording. But um, mm. Levy basically talks about a return to um, going back into a kind of transfer, transfer comfort zone. Um, yeah. And sort of is it, it, it's quite a it, it's not that supportive of um, Baldini in reality because he says you know what happened before didn't really work out which I think is probably fair um, that sort of the, the spending of above fifteen million pounds um, but then in the very next sort of bullet point it says but we remain completely supportive of all our technical staff which I don't know feels a little contradictory to me but. They also made that that comment, didn't they, about uh, the abundance of English talent back in the squad has created a bond between the the fans and the team again. Which I I, I don't necessarily agree with. I don't think it's a question of nationality. It's, for me personally, it isn't anyway. And I 
I don't know, I think I can comfortably speak for quite a few people mm, mm. when I say it's not for them either. Um, I mean, like, for example, you know, look at Bentaleb. You know, a lot of people are really into Bentaleb. Really, really into Bentaleb. Jesus Christ. Um, but I think the, that's a fair way of putting it, mate. I, I, I think a lot of people are really into Bentaleb. Right. It's, it, he's... Ben- Just sounded a bit 14-year-old girl, didn't it? You know, not to be sexist. Well, now, now that you said that... Yeah. Painted as a misogynist, yeah. you know, but... Uh, I'm so into Bentaleb <laughs> right now. Right, say something. I wrote an article oh, this week about how much I like Bentaleb. You did? Compared him to jazz? Yeah, I did compare him to jazz, yeah. I was hoping nobody brought that up. Well, I, I, I like to get away with one slight <laughs> self-congratulatory statement per article, and that was my one in that. Um, nobody has really twigged onto it as yet, because uh, I think that comparison may go over some people's heads, but... Yeah, that occurred. I think, like, I, I understand in principle, just to go back to the, to the original article, I understand in question, I should say, uh, in principle, this idea that Levy doesn't, you know, that they have this transfer comfort zone and we're going to be targeting players in the 10 to 15 million pound bracket. But at the same time, you know, I, I can't imagine that's a stringent policy because you're not really going to sign anyone for 10 million pounds anymore. I don't think so. Anyway. No, but, uh, what that indicates is that we'll be signing players of the level or of the sort of quality and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, wait a second, it'll come to me in a second. Caliber pedigree. No, no, it's not one of them. It's uh, potential is the word I was looking for. You can cut out that long break where I was thinking, Jack. Um, Potential of um, of players like Ben Davies, where we we signed him essentially for peanuts, and around depending on who you ask, if you ask Swansea and Michelle Vorm's previous club, then we signed him for nothing, so that they don't have to pay his knock on fee. But um, if you listen to other people, we paid around ten million pounds for him. So it's uh, it's it's one of those where we're going to be buying young players to try and integrate them into the side after a few seasons, rather than buying your thirty million pound player to hang your hat on as soon as they come to the club because I think yeah. they've um they've sort of seen what's happened with the, the the players we've bought for that price over the past few seasons and and uh, aren't too happy with the way in which it's works out. So they're gonna be similar to the sort of transfer policy that saw us originally challenged for the Champions League is what we're going to revert to. And there's no harm in that whatsoever. I think it's probably the the most sensible way for, for us to proceed. And for him to have said so explicitly is um, is absolutely fine. It also tallies with what he's been saying previously about how the transfer funds are going to go unaffected by the stadium costs that they are ring-fenced. Mm. Um, because if, if we're only buying players for 10, 15 million, not looking to increase our wage bracket or our, our transfer bracket immediately it just means that he's, he's sort of setting the record straight as to who we're going to be buying so when we do start buying players for 10-15 million perhaps pushing that by a million or two here and there if there's a an exceptional talent available um, then you know if people say this is because they've got costs on the stadium it's not necessarily going to be true it's going to be you know in line with the, the ideas that are have been in place in the club, and it, we, it, it probably means that we we wouldn't have the sort of instances where managers like AVB have have sensed that they've wanted a, 
a higher cost of player and being given a lower cost of player. Um, because, you know, if they're, they're made plainly aware that this is your budget, this is, this is the sort of player we're going to be buying and that is the pool of which you've got to pick from. He's not going to be asking for somebody who he can't have. So there's um, there's that assurance as well, which I think is a bit, a bit better. It just means that when the transfers go right, we're going to get a, a young prospect and they're going to become better at our club and then we're, we're likely to sell them on for more money, which is what Tottenham have been doing quite a lot over the past few seasons. Or we're going to, you know, lose a few million on a player who doesn't quite perform to the level on which we, we wanted them to and it's not going to be the end of the world because it's not like we've spent 30 million on them. I think you also, uh, uh, it's a good point you raised because you also have to bear in mind that the, the transfer fee is always going to have an effect on how measured the crowd's reception is to a player and their time it takes to bed in, right? I mean, you know, when you see the amount of kind of like crap that comes the Lamella's, Lamella's way and it's always with that you know that caveat of this isn't what you'd expect from a 30 yeah. million pound player whereas you know if we had signed him for that kind of 10 million pound sum you would like to think that people would be a bit more understanding and ultimately it's only going to aid the kind of the player's progression and their their time settling in if not you know, every time they're on the ball, they're not getting booed or people are groaning and so on and so forth at the slightest kind of mishap that they have. You know, but as we've seen, for example, with Ben Davies, who's been, uh, you know, fairly disappointing, I guess. I, I, I think that probably does the ladder disservice, but, you know, has, has maybe struggled, we should say. Um, but he hasn't really picked up any flack because, as you say, we signed him with potential in mind, which is, I'm probably sure, like, wasn't fully the intention with Lamella. I think we were probably expecting him to hit the ground running and do a bit better than he was. But, I, you know, any young player that you're signing, especially from abroad, you have to understand there's going to be a period where they have to acclimatise and so on and so forth. But we've gone over this with Lamella before. Yeah. We're, all, uh, we're all on side. Um Let's have another little look at another question. Um, ben Lewis, at Ben Lewis 0795. He first asks... Are you going to read uh, out his mobile we... number or something? Then? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you all dream of a team of Danny Roses, but on a less serious level, uh, is it time for a return of this strapping fella um, with a picture of Fazio affixed to that tweet? Um, would you like to see Fazio back in? I'm, yeah, it would be the natural kind of assumption would be that means dropping Dyer and bringing Fazio in alongside uh, alongside Vertonghen. Um, it, it, it it does seem strange that he hasn't, because he, he's actually been missing out on kind of like match day squads and things as well, hasn't he, Fazio? Um, and I'm not sure he's been carrying any injuries or anything, so, but I haven't, I haven't heard I think he originally lost his place rumblings. due to injury, and I just think he hasn't regained it because Eric Dyer has done well enough to keep his, his place in the side. Um, I think there's a place for him within the squad. I think he's he's probably the type of defender that we'd want when we're playing um, sides that don't necessarily play that great uh, level of football. So if they're if they're slightly more direct, if they're slightly you know uh, you know slightly more physical, then he's the defender to pick over somebody like Dyer, perhaps. But um, in the long run, there's no harm whatsoever in playing Eric Dyer because the more experience he gets, the longer he has to try and forge a, a, a partnership with um, Watong and then the better they're going to be. So um, 
there's there's no reason to sort of revert too much. I don't think any of them's done badly that we need to sort of retry and rejig the defence that badly. It's um I quite like that players have to force their way back into the side. I mean, we've seen the last couple of games that, that Pochettino has just been really rigid with the selection and he's stuck with the same side. Um, and I quite like the idea that there's no kind of alarmist element to any of it, that you know a player is able to have a bad game but will keep his place to give him the opportunity to, to sort of fight back against the perception. Whereas I think Fazio... I mean, Dyer's carried the can a little bit for, for some of the defensive performances recently. And he, he wasn't good at Old Trafford and arguably worse against Leicester. But, you know, Vertonghen hasn't been great either. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I think that, um, yeah, he'll, he'll, Fazio will get a chance. I'm not sure whether there's a case for saying that, that Fazio is the answer to anything or that his reintroduction is absolutely necessary. But he, he'll get an opportunity at some point. I think that's one thing you, you, you can say about Pochettino quite clearly is that he has established this clear kind of meritocracy yeah, yeah. within the squad. Um, and you, you can never accuse him of having his favourites, so on and so forth. No. So it's. Well, look at the side it, it he seems like a, with. I mean, well, the beginning of the season. It. You know, look at how different yeah. it is now. It's, it's a really healthy and it's, but it's, it's a healthy competitive atmosphere he seems to have. And a lot of the players have echoed that. Like Danny Rose has come out and said that. Uh, on numerous occasions say that, you know, there is this spirit in the squad that we know that if we train hard, the manager will pick us. And it makes you question perhaps what other people were doing, I think, you know, in the past. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, wax lyrical about Pochettino. But, uh, Fazio, I mean, would you maybe like to... Are Burnley a more physical team? That's just an assumption. That's just a, a trite assumption that Burnley are a more physical side. But I don't think they are particularly, I are they? I don't think they are. They, I mean, uh, the, I I'm, um, had a little look up to see their uh, their team news for Saturday. And um projection is that Sam Vokes will start alongside Danny Ings. And Vokes is a slightly more physical forward than Ashley yeah. Barnes. And also worth bearing in mind that... Um, that's the pairing that really brought Burnley up. That was kind of um, uh, Sean Dyche's sort of default uh, front two last year for most of the season. Um, and I don't really like the idea of Danny Ings being isolated with Fazio, um, particularly because <laughs> he moves very well. And I, look, he's not, Danny Ings isn't an outstanding elite forward, but he's a very good player and he, he, his movement off the ball is, is excellent. Um, so, you know, if, if Fazio is coming back, then maybe. Give it a week. <laughs> it's interesting that you say he moves very well because there's actually a video of Danny Ings dancing online and he does actually dance really does well. He, even, even on the dance yeah, floor? He, I think he's just in well. like their treatment room or something, but he's uh, he's having a bit of a, uh, a dance and he, he does look fun. He's, he's, he's getting away with it, so he's uh, he's not terrible or anything. I tell you, he's, um, we, we, we've, Jack, you've mentioned him quite a lot, but he's someone who's... Um, who generally incorrectly because I was talking about Ashley Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need to bring that back up again. That, that, that episode where Sessignon was still playing for Sunderland. <laughs> you didn't have a good you didn't have a good pod uh, that night. No. Um yeah. but he he's someone that throughout the season I've just thought more and more of I I think he's a really good player, um Danny Ings. I think he's um yeah and I he's 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 a he's a problem for us. I mean look at look at the the Leicester pairing that, that causes issues at the lane. I mean, that's not, and you know, Ings is a far better player than Nugent or um, or Jamie Vardy. By all accounts, had a really good game for the under twenty ones against Germany as well. Yeah, he did okay. He did okay. 
bit isolated, uh, uh, but you know, give him a give him a, a partner, and he'll um, he'll be more influential. I think Pr- Pritchard was said to have had a really good game as well. Um, I, I'll be surprised if he if he doesn't come into the fold next year, actually, despite people's reservations. Yeah, I don't know. I I <laughs> I, I, I watched I watched the twenty ones game, and um, and it, it, I think of um, Alex Pritchard a little bit in the same way that I, I that I think of Tom Carroll. I just look at him and go, okay. "You're a really good footballer," but I don't know. I, I just I think there's a little bit of that kind of academy bias going on. Where people just people mm-hmm. want him to, and I, I, I know I said this about Kane, and I got burnt so many times for it. Uh, anytime I write about Kane now, I get the, the, the same couple of people like passively aggressively retweet things I said a year and a half ago. It's just such a horrible internet habit that. Um, but I just I don't, I don't know. I've, I don't. I've, I've watched a little bit of Pritchard, and I don't I'm not hugely convinced. I didn't see anything on on um, on Monday night, which you know. Suggested that his his return is absolutely essential. No, like I've, I don't know if I've said it on the on the pod before, but one of my colleagues is a big, uh, well, a big. He he follows the championship a lot. He's a Norwich fan, um, and he he watches quite a few championship games. Um, and he he says Pritchard's at his level. He thinks really anyway. Yeah, he's he's not really been that convinced by him. He's kind of one of those. Uh, He's he's called him a match of the day player a few times actually. That he uh, he'll he'll pop up and make the difference, which I guess there's something to be said for that. But um, interesting kind of season. The, I, uh, there's a QBR fan I know who who um, works in one of the local shops, and and he said exactly the same thing about Tom Carroll last season. Because Spurs fans are always sort of posting vines of oh look how many assists he's had, and you know, look at this little ball to whoever was playing in that um, in that in that uh, in that QPR team. And um, uh, Tarapta, I guess. Um, and <laughs> he said, "Look, you, you know, he looks good in tiny little moments, but he just doesn't. He, he doesn't look sort of. He doesn't look above the championship. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Which is kind of worrying, given that you know he should probably be a little bit beyond that now. I know he's at Swansea, but even so, I just he's he, he's 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 very neat and tidy. He's very nice to watch, but is he actually good enough to play at the level that we want to go to? Is what I, I would say." He's injured now, isn't he? I think he's out for about six yep. weeks or so yep. now. Yeah, so. he is. Yeah. 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 Um, Dominic Radford Sims. Um, is that a double barrel surname? That is a double Good barrel surname. Good for you, Dominic. Good for you. There you go. I'll send the little his... key to the special meeting room in the post. <laughs> you should have just said you'd you, be meeting him there, Seb. Why no, because you've got it. He's already there. No, he's got it, hasn't no, he? No, you've got you to have a, you know, gotta, it's got to be. Isn't it a birthright? <laughs> You've got another handshake. Um, his... <laughs> what does Dominic ask? <laughs> his 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 handle is at Dommy RS ten THFC. That's you got you, that's got to be more concise, Dom. I'm going to give you that feedback now. Um, He's got a high anyway, too. He, Good man, excellent. <laughs> he says regarding the curious case of Andrus Townsend, why does he perform better for England than for Spurs? Uh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen quite a few people say that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that he does. I think it it seems to be the the goals are the difference, right? But when you actually watch Townsend play for England, I don't think he really does anything that different. I know we we were kind of speaking about this earlier offline, weren't we, Seb? That it's yeah. more how he's deployed playing for England as opposed to how he actually plays. Yeah, uh, I also think it's worth bearing in mind that um, the average game. 
Uh, the average opponent uh, Townsend faces in the Premier League is a lot stronger than the average opposition in a like a, a European Championship qualifying group. Um, and also, he's free. Uh, you know, you, you can watch him play against um, uh, a Lithuania. Uh, I know Italy last night, but Italy were a little bit weakening, so he made quite a few defensive substitutions uh, towards the end of that game. But he doesn't have, for England, he doesn't have uh, the same kind of defensive responsibilities. Um, and he also plays in a slightly less technical environment. When he, when he played for, under Villas-Boas, that was a very uh, intricate side and it relied an awful lot on, on, a, on a lot of different moving parts. And as we know, Pochettino's uh, philosophy is, is very much pressing-based and also kind of discipline-based in terms of the way we defend. And I just don't think that exists for him. He has a kind of, like you say, has a sort of impact role um, for, for Roy Hodgson and whether that's by design or by accident, I don't know, but it just, it seems to suit him. So I, I don't, I, I think it's, it is a little bit of an illusion, if I'm honest. You got anything to add? I think he's really improved this season, um, quite dramatically so. Um, he He's the sort of example we always give when we talk about not wanting, you know, the effect of playing for England to, to negatively affect Harry Kane um, because he did drop off afterwards and then that was sort of underlined by an injury issue and he never really recaptured his form straight away. And um, I remember sort of after he made his England debut and around that sort of time where he was the the nation's sweetheart, Jack got really annoyed with me several times because I I was pretty much (laughs) one of very few dissenting voices who were saying, look, there are deficiencies to this boy's game. He is not the finished product yet. There There were people genuinely, not in an ironic sense, like perhaps they were with Harry Kane, but in an actual very true sense tweeting that Andros Townsend was going to fill the boots that Gareth Bale had left behind the season beforehand and uh, people getting extremely carried away with him. I don't think No, I you, you didn't that. say that. Just, but uh, I just want to you, jump in and say oh, that people now. did, though. Right? You just didn't like, say that. You did accuse did me of having that. an agenda where Andros Townsend was confirmed, which I did enjoy when... I, and I did actually use that word. <laughs> which, I did use that word. Like, I have to Which when that, I was yeah. proven right and he did drop off, as I, as I said he would, and then everyone suddenly turned on him at once, um, I felt quite vindicated. But the fact that he's he's responded to that in the best possible fashion, he's shown that he has a level of mental rigidity there that he can build on his game and improve as a player because I don't think it's anything... There's nothing physical that he's done. There's nothing tactically that he's perhaps changed. It's all about the way in which he approaches the games and the the decision-making is the biggest thing that he's done because decision-making is the thing that has for quite a while, quite a long time now, has made English wingers quite basic. I mean, if you look at the likes of Lennon that we've had, who took a very long time before he he came to any sort of consistency with his end product, and that was only for a, a short period before he sort of tailed off again. If you look at Theo Walcott, who seems to dilly-dally between being a, an out-and-out wide man or a wannabe striker and never seems to be able to fit in anywhere for more than five games before getting injured or, or falling out of form or favour, he's another one. And then you've got, you know, these... Just your average names, you're Sean Wright Phillips, Adam Johnson, um, there'll be more Scott Sinclair, Dyer at Swansea, uh, Routledge. These teams and teams of wide men that England seem to <laughs> churn through who have this initial run of form when nobody really knows who they are and, and can't really defend against them. But once there's a plan as to how to stop them and they realise that these wingers have no brain as to overcome that challenge, 
then their career sort of curtail and they, they tumble down the leagues a little bit more and they find their natural home at QPR or Sunderland. But with Townsend, he's he's really kicked on this season after, you know, he, it looked like he was probably going to be sold earlier on this year. And it was when there was decision to make between Lennon and Townsend, it was always Townsend, the one who, who nine out of 10 people were saying to go. But he's um he's really improved the way in which he he applies himself and that's massive credit to him and the people that have been managing him and it's not something I I really expected to be honest I thought he may go in the same way and have that same trajectory that that wingers have had previously but his his own will to do well seems to be propelling him on to perhaps you know the sum of some of his parts because he's in truth his skill set is just that of a of a basic wingers but it's that difference between having a head and having just having quick feet that that makes a player in that position, and he's he's showing that he's willing to apply himself in that manner. So that's the one thing about. It. I mean, it's not game specific; it's more a, a comment on on how his how his past two seasons have been. But it's it's very pleasing to see that even if there's a a chance he may not be, you know, Gareth Bale, he's still going to be a very effective member of our squad and that's that's the reason why when we talk about the likes of of Carol and Pritchard who I didn't really comment on I don't really have a problem with them coming back and having some sort of place within the squad because I think there's every chance and every opportunity with the the culture that we've started to breed within the the side now that if you work hard and show your willingness to become a better player and push yourselves in perhaps ways that you had not considered previously before you worked within the the regime that is there currently you you could become a better if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Better player and could earn yourself time in the squad. And we've seen that sort of thing with Towns and then, and Danny Rose probably especially is, is the sort of thing that's, that's there. So rather than, you know, 
every time something breaks, buying something new, we're we're actually starting to to fix them and and sort of be a little more self sufficient and a little less knee jerk. So I think that's probably a positive for for all parties involved. Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, and Jack edited out everything I said about Pritchard. <laughs> yeah, just get just get rid. You know, you know, one thing on Townsend is that um, I was writing, I did some research for an article I was writing recently, and um, you're not supposed to do that if you want to get any hits. Oh yeah, no, I just go with the knee jerk headline, the big, the big <laughs> baiting. Um, if you, I know people, I'll, I'll make you, I'll make you a fine to go along you'll with it as well. Me. That'll be alright, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a banterous fine. You can stick it in your article. It'll be good. I um, I know people think that Tanzania's been around forever. Um, but if you compare and forget looking at his appearances and his, you know, his starts, if you look at the amount of time he actually he's actually spent on a Premier League pitch over the last two years last two seasons, and purely in the Premier League, it's actually less than either Harry Kane or Nabil Bentaleb, and only marginally more than Ryan Mason. And all three of those players are, you know, they're great and they're, they're improving all the time and we all love them, of course, but they, they all have sort of various deficiencies to, to different degrees that we all tolerate because they are quite raw um, and they are essentially Premier League rookies. Townsend doesn't have that association, but he probably deserves it because he is still a very inexperienced player. And the improvement that you know, Raj correctly identifies is partly partly his own work, partly Pochettino's, whatever it is that Pochettino does behind closed doors with his players um, to improve their decision-making. But part of it is also exposure to his environment. And so, you know, I know he's had a lot of games at a lower league level, but so what really? I mean, the Premier League experience is Premier League experience. And, you know, it's um, that's really the sort of the, the, the only pertinent measure of... Um, how seasoned um, a player is. Um, and as his minutes go up, his ability to identify and make the right decisions is going to improve. It's up to the player to what extent it improves, but it's a sort of, it's a progression. I don't think people should lose sight of just where he is um, in his career. People look at his age. People remember how long we've all been aware of Andros Townsend for, because it is five or six years now that he's sort of been, he's been considered a fringe player. So, Still, still a young guy, uh, and still, still a very green player as well. I think another thing that's probably worth noting as well is that he's he's often brought on as a as a latter stages impact player mm. for England, right? And he'll be he'll be coming up against tiring legs, and he's a very explosive, quick player. Whereas, you know, when we've seen him do that effectively for Spurs as well, when he has come on in the latter stages of a game, and he has kind of pulled the defence slightly and he's he's shaken things up and created space for other players. Um, where the kind of criticisms will creep in when he's playing for Tottenham is when he's starting games and when he's, you know, like we're saying, he's, he's having to exercise a, 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 a sort of tactical rigidity and he's having to play consistently to a system for a full 90 minutes whereby that kind of that pace, that explosive element can can be countered and people can kind of get at someone. So it can make him, it, he can essentially can look a lot better when he's coming on in the last 10 minutes of a game of a, you know, a friendly or a, yeah. a, against a kind of lower, lower end European opposition in a, in a kind of form, you know, a formality kind of European qualifier. Um, so, but that sounds like I'm knocking him and I don't mean to, I agree with what Raj is saying in that he has improved a lot and he's uh 
decision making is. See this, Jack. A year later, you're the one that's um, negative about Townsend, and I'm positive about him. You, you uh, with your agenda. I, I'm just, I'm just being your, your <laughs> personal, your personal contrarian, Raj. That's all I am. Um, so yeah, we got. I don't think we've got any more. Any more? Come on, ask us some better questions next time. No other ones. Is that my fault? Right. Is that your it's one about way of walking just dead talking about your popularity? It's one about what? There's uh, Ross Ross Ferguson nineteen says Walking Dead season finale. Your no, thoughts, but I haven't watched it. I've got, I haven't watched any of it. I've kind of lost lost love I've for got, Walking uh, Dead. Two episodes. I've not watched much TV this week. I've uh, I've been quite down since Kevin Sinfield announced his retirement. I know it sounds sad, but my Spartan hero is uh, is leaving the game and club I love so. I've been in a bit of a funk about that. I've not actually managed to rise myself into a place of being able to write about it yet because I do get a tiny bit choked up every time I think about it. All right. Is he Ledley King? In some ways, I was actually thinking about this um, because the only comparison I do have to him and and comparable figure is Ledley King um, because you tend to feel a little bit close to these people when you support the club as well as the man. But Sinfield, he... He's a bit different to King. It's almost a bit sadder that he's leaving than King because when when Ledley retired, there was almost that feeling that it's the best possible thing for him as well, that he's not going to be wheelchair-ridden because he's tried too hard to continue in a spot that he's he's no longer physically able to do so. So there was, as well as that sadness of knowing that we were never going to be able to see him pull on the Spurs shirt again, there was also that comfort in knowing that he'd probably prolonged his his own you know standard of living and things because he'd, he'd taken the decision when that was the, the best possible decision for everyone else involved. And there was the comfort in knowing that he was, he was going to stay in the club to some degree and be a, a coach at a youth level and, and be an ambassador as well. So uh, still a, essentially just a, still the captain, but in, in, in a different name and, and guys, but with Sinfield because he's, he's moving to union and he's essentially he's at the same club, but it's just the, the union version of, of Leeds. It's really sad because I remember he was he became captain in two thousand and two two thousand and three when he was twenty two yeah twenty two years old yeah, um, yeah so he was a kid and it was Young. controversial at the time because uh, Leeds have quite a big quite a, quite a big lot of players back then but he having heard him speak having having spoken to him met him a few times he's one of the most intelligent and sincere men I've ever met in my life and. You match that with the fact that he's a, probably a once-in-a-generation talent. He's going to be the the fourth or third highest point scorer in rugby league history. That's not the league, that's the sport itself. Um, highest point scorer in the club's history. Highest point scorer in, in Super League's history. He's He's led the Rhinos to an unprecedented amount of success over the past 10 years because although in recent times there's been this perhaps misconception that the Rhinos are the biggest team in the country. They're not really. The the Lancastrian clubs, especially the duopoly of Wigan and St. Helens, they tend to be the, the most successful sides in the in the competition. They're the ones that have really kicked on and, and sort of made the, the sport their own up here. And when Leeds over this past 10 years won, won six grand finals in 10 years and won a challenge cup and were beating Australian sides every other year in the, the World Cup challenge and he was the, the face of that and he was the, the person that had changed all that was was really nice to see and there was a generation similar to what we have at Tottenham of um, a generation of, of homegrown talent coming through together there was the spine of the Rhino side was, was all lads who'd come through the academy 
um, much like Sinfield had. And he, you know, he's been playing the sport at Leeds since I think 1997. He made his debut, so it's been a fair old time. And he had been saying over the past few years that, you know, although he'd signed a five-year contract, there was there was an option whenever he wanted to, whenever season he, he felt the need to. If he let the club know in good time, he could retire or leave the club or, or do what he wanted to, because you know, when you when you're that sort of figure at the club. You, you know, you don't have your contract taken away from you. It's your decision when to leave rather than the other way around. Almost uh, sort of a Sir Alex Ferguson type of thing to it because he's he's that big. He's a he's an absolute icon. Um, like I said, he's my my sporting hero. He's um, so he's he's chosen to at the end of this year um, move on to the other sport, and it's just it's going to be weird not seeing him. Captain the side, or be playing with the side because he's 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 an yeah, absolute I agree, mate. I agree. colossus, and um, yeah, there's a there's actually a a talk that if you just for any sports fan or, or fans of bettering yourself or success in any way, just to hear people <laughs> who are in positions. If you if you want to sit down and you want to watch that Raheem Sterling interview that he gave today about turning down hundred grand a week, and then listen to Kevin Sinfield talk and, and Google yeah. Sinfield's talk on success being more about hard work than ability. Um, it's it's one of the most inspiring pieces of talking and presenting I've ever seen. He's such a, a charismatic man and such a, a natural leader of men. And I know it seems cliched, but he genuinely is. He's one of those people where when he does talk, not like football, as you see. Now, you see somebody who's described a natural leader of men in football is John Terry. And you hear John Terry speak and he can't string three sentences together without calling someone a black cunt. So he's a bit of a fucking idiot. But when you hear, when you hear Kevin Sinfield talk for 40 minutes eloquently about how he's changed the culture of the club, because rugby league, when he first came into it, as I say, in the late nineties, there was, he says that, you know, the culture of the club was, they all worked hard and they all, you know, they're all unreasonable wages, although not comparable to what footballers earn. He, um, they were, they were still going out and smoking and drinking and, and eating fast food and not taking care of themselves. So while they were professional in, you know, the hours of nine to five, when they went home, they didn't condition themselves. And the biggest thing he did was change the mentality and the, the culture of the club into being, into his own image because he is in a very James Milner like sense. He's, he's often described as boring or, 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 you know, quite wooden, but he's not at all. He's just the, the most ultimate professional you'll ever see. So there is a there is a talk on YouTube. If you search his name, it's one of a few videos that has him featured on it, um, in which he talks about his success and, and what he's done at the club and and how he thinks people better themselves. And uh, it's one of those that I, I very rarely do this, but I I ripped the MP3 from that some years ago and uh, have it on my iPod. So whenever I've got a long train journey or something or something like that it, it will find its way on because it's just one of those where no matter how many times you hear it it's fantastic it's a bit like that um pumping iron documentary that arnold schwarzenegger was a part of he's he's absolutely fantastic and um i will very much miss him and he, he it does choke me up a little bit i feel a bit old now knowing that the players i loved as a kid and sort of idolize even to this day because of the men they are rather than the sportsmen they are is is coming to an end now. So I, uh, I realise I've gone on a bit about Sinfield, but he he does mean a lot to me and uh, it has sort of neg- negatively he affected should, my though. week. He's a, he's a fantastic servant. He, um... God, you, you no, genuinely I genuinely am. He, 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 he is just amazing. He's, um... that, there's, 
He's a special. Uh, he, 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 I have all the respect in the world for Kevin Sinfield. I, I, I can completely get that. Uh, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, I've all, I actually ordered a pizza while Rod talking, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm starving. What have you gone for? Sir? I've gone for... I've gone Dominoes um, because... Oh, um, pa- uh, Papa John's a little bit more expensive. But, um, uh, mate, you know, none of this. It has to be wood fired, authentic pizza. None of these Domino's, Pizza Hut's, Papa John's. No, mate. Yeah, but they mate. deliver straight to the door, Jack. Uh, I want to go outside. I can't. Because if, if, I, if, if I time this right, we'll finish. And then five minutes later, the doorbell ring, pizza, brilliant, pay for it. I reckon we should if, fill if, a bus for this, Jack, out. so that his pizza arrives while we're still recording. <laughs> and then continue for so long that this pizza then goes cold. Although cold pizza is my favourite meal. Like if I order a pizza for dinner and I'll know that like I'll eat a good majority of mine, whereas me mum or my sister will leave quite a lot of theirs. My favourite thing is the next morning, if they just leave their box on the side with pizza in to eat it, cold it morning, the, the, the day after is absolutely fantastic. That's absolutely champion. I love that. You know what's a good place to get to in life is when you know the long number on your debit or credit card off by heart. You don't have yeah, to get your wallet. Once, once you've written it. about five invoices oh, a month or something like that, you seem to, your, your just, bank number and account uh, sort code and things that are sort of ingrained into my brain. Well, sort code six um, numbers, I, right? I, I should remember that. But, you know, the um, I, absolutely hopeless for numbers, mate. Just completely useless. They just go, I can't, you know. I'm the sort of person that struggles to remember. No, I, can, I think I remember numbers. about three or four phone numbers off by heart. I know my own, I know my mum's, I know my house number, and I know my granddad's house number. So four. Um, I used to be able to remember my uncle's phone number, but that's because it was only one digit different to my granddad's home number. But they've since changed their home number, so I, I can't remember that. But I was brought up in a... Why, why did I, they I don't know the, why it was. It was just like a weird quirk. They, genuinely, they only lived about three streets away from each other in Huddersfield, but they managed to have the exact same phone number bar, the last digit. So it was exactly the same. Um, no, it was, I, not that I'm aware of. They may well have done, but it was, it was just a quirk, I, I think. But um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, I would, yeah, When I was brought up in the 90s, it was sort of just as mobile phones were coming into you know popularity so the first few years you know my mum and like everyone made it aware to me that you you had to remember the numbers if there's ever an occasion where you became separated you've got to know how to get in contact with you but as soon as sort of I started getting my own mobiles when I was in high school and that when I was like 14 or 15 I think I was before I got my own phone um like you know you, you you started to forget because you've got this thing in your pocket that just remembers all your your numbers for you. So you you're never gonna have to rely on anything like that again. So there's only the few that I haven't changed in about ten years that I actually remember. We always seem to go back to Huddersfield-based telecommunications. Why? What else have I discussed? <laughs> Uh, no, we've well, we've done it before, haven't we? We talked about Hull Telecom, oh, yeah, with KC, and, like, that, yeah. internet service providers, and yeah, eventually. They've yeah. not got in contact since <laughs> we've, uh, it's, there, uh, unfortunately. They've got that that. They've got the that many weird strings to our to our uh, the dials and does stuff that, like that's the the only television advert I've ever seen of them. He seems to be the the face of Plusnet, so I think that gig's already been done. I imagine he does the 
the voiceovers as well. So, no, mate, that guy's got a shelf life, mate. You can. Do you reckon I can be like uh, the new Barry Scott? Get rid. <laughs> yeah. See that silly band Do you know he's oh, not actually like that? I tell you they, what, they purposefully no, I... it was a marketing ploy. They 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 had the budget and everything to make a proper um, advert. I think I read an article about this one year. I'm, I'm not sure as to why I was reading up on my Barry Scott, but he, he's not called Barry Scott. He's an actor, um, <laughs> and the um, he was told to. It's kind of yeah, he's, he's, he was McClure, he was supposed it, to yeah be as bad as he could and uh, you know. He was supposed to, he was playing the inventor of Silic Bang and whatnot, and it was sort of that that taking the piss out of themselves element of it, but not letting it on too much that was there. The inventor of Silic Bang. It's the same with there was a similar campaign. I don't know if you remember the old washing machine. Yeah, the jing- jingle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those were like really kind of twee, kind of naff, sort of 80s US infomercial inspired type mechanics deployed on their on their making products more personable is a good effect but like on a under like a secret veil of like you put somebody's name on it but behind that name there's actually a big evil conglomeration behind it is something that is done quite often like frankie and benny's frankie (laughs) and benny's are are two inventions their characters uh, those men have never existed um i'm fairly sure the same goes for like ben and jerry's as well so these are just like people put like no no they're not i don't think they are yeah, they are. I'm fairly sure they're a marketing thing. There's also what was it? Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Bessie. She's she's just a drawing. She she doesn't exist. Um, oh, yeah, Uncle yeah, Ben. Yeah. I think he's uh, he's he's not real. All these people <laughs> that you sort of go, oh, Uncle Ben. He, he's probably got, Uncle Ben. Um, Uncle Ben. Who's Uncle? <laughs> everyone's was he? mate. When you when you can microwave oh, rice no. in two minutes, call him Uncle if you want. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that's not what Seb's having yeah, for his dinner. So. It's a respect. It's a respect thing, right? Yeah, but um, they've got like different ones, like the Aunt, Aunt Bessie ones, like explicit. Because I remember when I went to America, like she's like she's like a old frail um, white woman here, isn't she? It's like potatoes. Yeah, isn't it? like right, she's potatoes. like your archetypal queen type figure here. Um, but in America, she's like a fat black woman called Aunt Jemima who makes their things, and that's their own version of it. So it's really weird as to how they change it as as uh, according to to what territory they're in you, you know, i've got a, i've got a new um hate in this world is it our um, discussions of uh, no. fake food peoples and their names no 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 i'm gonna add, <laughs> I'm gonna add to it i no, it's a new thing that i've i've, I've that's grown on me over the years you know um on the side of those innocent smoothie um cartons it has like depending on what flavor you bought it has like a list of ingredients it'll say like you know, uh, five bananas and 19 limes went into the production. And then at the end of it, it'll have something twee and throwaway, like, eh, no trumpets. I just think, just yeah. stop, just whatever you're trying to do there, just stop. Quirk for the sake oh, of quirking. It. It's like the, um, right. did you remember the, um, when E4 was first launched to the channel, they had that, like, pseudo-ironic voiceover guy. He just, what? Oh, he's still there, isn't he? I don't know, I, I, I just wonder. Punch him. Hated him. But he talks like that. Was the X-Factor? I might be, but I don't, I'm not a big X-Factor. Oh, no, but you've, you've, you you know that that guy says people's names in a funny way. I still, to this day, hope for the day that Rachel Adedeji goes back on. Because to hear him boom that out every week was the highlight of my week. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. I just I, I hate that E4 thing, that that postmodern bollocks. Horrible. Awful. And Innocence movies. I don't think I've ever had Innocence movies. Crisps. They they. they do. Every single kind of new artisan brand of crisps will put their potato story on the back of the packets as well. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And they'll always go on about, you know, the oils and the this. It's just fucking crisps. You stick them in a bowl and you stuff them in your face. Do you not eat them out of the packet? Is that not a thing down there? Do you you have to put them in a bowl before you eat a pack of crisps? Have to put them in a bowl. If it's a a big bag, you put them in a bowl because then you feel less less guilt. (laughs) That's it. Although you don't, it's just... I don't know. It's, it's it's like a transference thing. Somehow or another, it's I don't know. I, Maybe it's the textures. I, I think I get if I if I'm dipping my trotter into one of those big bags as well. Like it's it's the grease I get on the back of my hands from the top of the bag. I don't like it. There's, um, uh, I know I'm going to enter realms of self parodies I do on a weekly basis, but there's a a crisp company up here called Yorkshire Crisps, um, and they make like Henderson sauce Yorkshire Crisps. And uh, you probably don't get them down there because they're a bit niche, but they are really, really nice. They're like, I don't, I'm not a huge crisps fan. They don't do much for me, but I really like them. I really like the, oh. I think, you know, they try to do upmarket crisps the other year. Like they do them sensations ones. The only ones of them I ever liked is a, they did like a Chipotle flavor. <laughs> um, I think it were Walkers. It must be Walkers or something like that. Did a Chipotle flavor. That were right nice, but. Henderson's Yorkshire sauce crisps are absolutely fantastic. If you're ever going to have like a sani. My, my favourite Yorkshire crisps, Seabrook. Seagrass, Seabrook's, they just remind mate. me Every of Robin time I went from up there. They've, they've, they've started filtering down here, but... Oh, no, Seabrook's. They were the, that's, that was a highlight of one of my trips to Yorkshire, getting Brown Seabrook. cocktail. My life is pretty much signposted by crisps. I mean, any of them, Seabrooks are just... You know, Ridge to maximise the flavour. <laughs> Love Seabrooks. Sounded yeah, like man. I was advertising yeah, a Johnny yeah, then, Yorkshire, didn't I? Proper Yorkshire. It did. You, you had yeah, 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 a little voice. bit. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Burnley very, very quickly? I think we should. Yeah. We kind of did last week, didn't we? But... Um, Hugo Lloris is probably going to be out again. Yeah. I think he's still he's he's got an injury. Which do you do? Either of you not actually know? I haven't done my research as per usual. What what his injury actually I mean, is? And supposedly a, a deep laceration slash gash to his leg. Oh, Carl Walker. I'm not really fond of the word gash. Do you ever? Honest. Do you remember the? Um, um, obviously, obviously, there are different contexts. Do you remember that, from, probably from about to, ten but, years you know, ago now the the grime track gash by the hour. Do you not remember it? It was a London thing, um, but it creep, crept up here. Um, I, I remember Bell Dem Slags. That was one <laughs> by the Newham Generals. Um, no, this was, was uh, I think it was Boyardee and Sass Killer. Who, it might be SAS Killer. Maybe showing me age there, given that it's 10 years ago, but it was called Gash by the Hour. It was one of those videos. The Sass <laughs> Killers? <laughs> but they were... Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah. That's almost up there. Yeah. The shots were fired. <laughs> I think. But they were, um, yeah, the video of it was one. Remember when, like, um, there was Channel U and it was just essentially kids on their mobiles? Yeah, that's the level of yeah. video it is as well. But it, it just reminds me of being a kid. Oh, Absolutely hilarious channel. lyrics. Because, um, like, the, the whole premise of the song is that they're talking about 
inverted commas, gash, but they're talking about it as if they're talking about cash. <laughs> so it's 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 really, really funny. I mean, I, pro- I think I probably enjoyed it when I was a kid, but uh, not so much anymore. It was one of those, it's probably one of those, nostal- I can't remember the last time I listened to it. It's just when you said gash, it reminded me of it. But there's, there's so many of those. Uh, did you not have that wave of like when grime got really big and everyone thought they could make grime tracks downloaded in yeah, Junior Spech. Do you not remember Junior Spech? That was well, one of the first big virals, like when YouTube really... We had our own up here. We off. had, um, to be honest, they, they probably only live around the corner from me, but we had Spooks and Crawler, who uh, made a track called Knife of the Sword, which is hilarious because I think um, one of the lyrics that always stands out is... Um, debt, ch- debt chasing like a debt collector, your mum's in debt, so your best protector... Um, was one of them. And just really bad, really bad songs like that. Um, it was when I, when we used to live in the other end of Leeds in uh, Kirkstall, uh, around there was the LS7 Butlers who used to have their own, um, their own songs as well. There's like, they were like the essentially the Leeds' answer to the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> um, they had their own songs. Like, um, I think their biggest hit was called The Battle Begins. Um, and it was, it, I think one of the lyrics in there is about robbing a PS2, which is, shows you the, the age of the, uh, the song. But, uh, I highly recommend that you search these songs up because, uh, they are, they are some of my fondest memories from high school is, you know, sitting underneath in a class and one of your mates sending you this underground grind track on Bluetooth so that you can listen to it on, in the corridor or something. That was, uh, that was the, a large part of my formative years. Imagine it was yours as well, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. We've already spoken about Seb's love of rap. How active I was in that participation. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We, we talked about that off air, didn't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Temps and all Seb that. Seb was there uh, yeah. rewriting all the Sorry. lyrics from, from Biggie Smalls into Latin at school. So, you know. What is what? You know the the um the I, actually I, an honest story, and this is this is genuinely um on my on my heart true. Um, the place where I went to school that we're all aware of, but we don't we don't mention. Um, the first conversation that I ever had with anyone there was about the Wu Tang Clan on my very first day. Which you that is a huge in joke, and no one listening will get it. But it's it's quite. Were funny. they trying to actually recruit you? For, we we, uh, my depi- we made this. Uh, made this distinction and I've never let her live it down but uh, she got the names of the Wu-Tang Clan and the Ku Klux Clan mixed up so one day when I was listening to Wu-Tang she goes oh is that the Ku Klux Clan I went to be honest I don't think they're going to be singing this Um, and she was like no no (laughs) you know bring the ruckus in in their own way is is not what they were doing Uh, but yeah I've, I've never let her live that down she's still gets annoyed every time I bring it up because it was just one of those slips where she obviously knew what she was talking about but she just said the the wrong name they're an incredible live act I think I've seen them not together but like the odd member here or there in like festivals when they tend to crop up Um, I don't think I've ever seen them as a collective but I've definitely seen one or two of them alone here and there very good show (laughs) very good show jolly good show do those those Wu Tang boys, <laughs> no, but they are they're, they're they're fantastic. Quite rather embarrassingly, my uh, my first ever 
email signature was <laughs> Wu-Tang Jack <laughs> at hotmail.com. Wu-Tang you should have called yourself... You, you should have made it like uh, JZA, <laughs> so you could have called yourself like the Jizzer. But to be honest, thinking back yeah. on it, the Jizzer is probably not a good nickname for anyone, to be honest. No. Which is why none of them are called that, but yeah. No. I th- we spoke about Burnley, there's now else to really talk about with Burnley, so we haven't, like, you know, longs out, Marnie. I'm t- I just loaded up. A match preview now to be yeah, like Scott Harfield, no, right? No, not really. Danny, Danny Scott Rose Harfield is injured. Plays for them, and he used to play for Huddersfield Town, and he didn't even get into the town team. So how he's playing every week in the Premier League is beyond me. He just mate, you got exercise some responsibility here. You remember the Wes Morgan? <laughs> yeah, Scott Harfield's going to score now, isn't he? Yeah, I he's going to score we want... now. I think we, Vokes is definitely going to say We do quite a, uh, a good line in uh, in conceding to ex Huddersfield players because I'm fairly sure when uh, Anthony Pilkington went from Huddersfield to Norwich, he scored on like one of his very first Norwich games was against Spurs in the Premier League and he managed to score an absolute belter. I think I'm fairly sure it was him. But he was a... He yeah, he scored a, a worldie and he was playing in League One yeah. for Huddersfield this season before and went up two 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 leagues and uh, and managed to score on one of his first games for, for Norwich. Well, he's bang bang on to score. Do you, I, I I I can't see us turning them over easily. It's at Turf Moor, isn't it? I think we'll win. But I think we'll concede. Is it at Turf Moor? It is. Yeah. yeah. I am. Um, is it at Turf Moor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we played the, was the last time we played, played there, like the last game of that season where we won the cup and like we were two 0 up and still managed to lose about five two. Had the um, the league cup earlier this season, that one one. No, but when we played there last time in the Premier League, wasn't that the time that oh, we right. went like two 0 up and I think Bale scored and Modric scored a beautiful. And then Modric scored that that yeah. And uh, then we just yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. capitulated. That's it. We had Ben Anik uh, and Goal, right, though, so it didn't really count. They, they, no, no one remembers that. I quite like Burnley. I think they're a good side. I, I um, they um, there's an interesting statistic for people to look up. That is interesting to them. Um, is the amount <laughs> of um, the amount of goals that came from uh, Kieran Trippier assists or cross last season? Um, it's it, it's ridiculous. It's about twenty two or twenty three or, or something like that. But he um he's someone that uh, on Sunday he's um, a reason primarily why you might want to avoid playing Nasser Chadley. He doesn't necessarily work that hard um, defensively. It's to stop a player like Trippier getting forward because they've got George Boyd who'll play in front of him and he'll cut in field and kind of drift and do what George Boyd generally does. Um, but yeah, something something to look out for. A little tactical insight there. So it'll be interesting as well as if, if he does put an assist in. I'll, I'll be looking forward to the amount of people that say we should bring him in to replace Walker. <laughs> Walker's shit. Yeah. And you've you've just legitimised that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all on you, mate. All on you. All oh, on you. Fun. There we go. Um, I've got anything else to add this week? No, Matt? I think I pretty much. No? I think I spoke uh, more about Kevin Sinfield than I did football this week. So. I, do you know what, mate? I, I'm always one to call you out on the rugby, but you were, it was very heartfelt, and it was actually a, an inspiring life. I do life genuinely like as well. If people just, uh, people think I went a bit over the top, like but that. if you do, before you send me any hate for that, actually look up that that 
talk in which I'm referencing, you you will see a small glimpse of the the man of which I was speaking about. He's a he's, he's absolutely fantastic. I I'll, I will get round at some point when I'm emotionally stable. You've you've actually like you haven't actually gotten that much hate for the rugby. So you've actually got that one <laughs> lad into <laughs> rugby league haven't you as a result of. Uh... I've not done it for a couple of weeks, has it? Oh fuck's sake! Oh god, here we go. Here we go. Look, look, listen to how smugly he says it as well. Actually. And he also says, "Pull it up," as if it's not sitting right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's desktop background, you know, screenshotted. <laughs> you two speak amongst yourself until I've managed to log in. You know, the the, the thing about last week's pod is that obviously that. I broke the that's chair. The thing, and, and that's that's what we've not everyone's reference, and everyone. Man, I just did that in the in the name of you know, it's just it, comedy. It, it got a hashtag chairgate. You know, it was I, I like, just, like like Frankie and Benny's or something you know, we made I, up. I, you're, you're our own version of Barry Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've actually you know this is one of these I don't know maybe living in London type things, but that chair leg afterwards in the, as I was sifting through the debris, one of the chair legs I've, I've now taken as a as a bedside cosh. So in case of any intruders or anything like that, I now have a a chair leg as a as a pre approved you know weapon that's I don't think it's gonna do like damage in terms of, you know, it would really, really seriously hurt someone, but it's enough to kind of like wave at someone and say, get out of my house and if they are aggressive enough to break into my house in the first place, it's likely not gonna scare them off and, you know, I won't be able to do anything with said chair leg, but you know, I've got it at least. It's a statement of intent, I think. You know, and at some point you'll, you'll you'll probably step on it in the dark and hurt yourself. <laughs> Just, well, yeah. like, I, 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 I'll tell you a, a slightly weird story. We had this spate, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be honest. I, I want to be rational about this, but I'm fairly certain it was a ghost um, <laughs> that has been plaguing our our household or at least it did in the past we had this weird little spell um over the course of about two months where mirrors genuinely mirrors at various points in the house just kept smashing they kept falling off the wall in the middle of the night always around kind of three four o'clock in the morning and just smashing falling off the wall and smashing it happened to our bathroom mirror which was actually like screwed to the wall in the middle of the night fell off the wall and smashed on the bathroom floor um and a couple of mirrors in like the in the hallway smashed as well um god that's horrible yeah it was really weird it was really really bizarre but every time so you know in the middle of the night it's 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 3 a.m and yeah we live in a very kind of central part of london so you hear a massive smash in the night it's fuck someone's broken into our house right so there's me jumping out of bed in my pants clambering for something and the first thing to hand I have is an aerosol can so there's me like zombie fight 3am what did you think I'd robbed your house a fly not a pretty sight I don't know mate but I'm there being like if there's anyone here yeah I'm awake alright so just just fuck off now yeah with this aerosol can in my hand and then seeing this broken mirror and that that being really, really scary, and me going to bed being like, "There's a ghost. There's a ghost, Charlotte. Charlotte, there's a, we got a ghost. We have a ghost. Like that's it, definitely." And so there's that's why I have a chair leg now. In the back of my mind, it's like, well, you know, it's not always going to be a broken mirror. One of these times, it's going to be it's going to be a nasty man, and I'll have my chair leg to protect me. Or a real ghost, and then they'll be sorry. And then, 
if it's a ghost, yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> I think an aerosol would probably be more effective against a ghost. I base that on nothing. That's nah, kind of logical, but instead of yeah, in, in, a, in, a, in a badly illogical way. It's not science that he's on Doctor Who. That, but um... <laughs> the sort of science that they use in like crime shows, you know, when it's like they have blurry CCTV footage. It's like let me just apply the filter. Yeah, because both of my parents work in IT. They get like increasingly science. annoyed when like there's somebody there and they've got like a computer code to crack and they're like, can you do this faster? So essentially it just means they're going to bash on all the keys a bit more. That's like, this doesn't work on computers. That's not how computers work. (laughs) Come on, dad, it's fucking suspend your disbelief for five minutes. But, um, me, uh, my granddad actually keeps a, he has done for as long as I can remember, keeps a hockey stick under his bed, um, which I have repeated by, I have a cricket bat in my, in my room. Uh, which I used to play with, that is only here with the, the sole um, purpose of, of self-protection. Whenever um, whenever I hear any noise, if I'm ever in the house alone, I will I will carry the bat around with me if I hear anything. But um, I've, I've pulled up the uh, the Rule of Roost League on the Super League Dream Team. Uh, Jack oh, is still third um, with... That's all right. That's I don't think it counts medal. when there's I'm only three of us. Um, points week, 317. <laughs> Um, you've got no points month because the month is just October, but overall you have 2,264 points. Uh, Seb, you're second still. Um, 547 points this week, which is really good. Until uh, we see mine, obviously. Oh, that's, yeah. that's really And then good you've got 3,140 well points altogether. Um, I'm surprisingly, I'm still top. Um, Points week this week, 640. So it's a tiny bit better than Seb's by 100 points. Uh, and then my overall points is uh, 4,027. So that's around 900 points better off than what Seb has got currently. So, um, is. Well, Jack's actually editing the podcast this week. So, mate, you fuck about with that a little bit and see if you can reorder bits <laughs> of what you just said. See how that comes out at the Do end it- of it. Do you know what's really annoying as well? And this is only going to play into this. I just loaded up the uh, the fantasy Premier League, the football one, being like, right. I, I was you weren't. You were like time, two points behind. And I was kind of thinking like, right, that's it. Uh, well, you're about fucking nearly 100 points ahead of me now. So Close that off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Prick. Um, I'm still second. So, yeah, fuck you, Ben Alfrey and Kevin. There you go. Excellent. That's it. Um, let's uh, let's end that one on a low for everyone that isn't called Raj. Um, so if you do want to listen to any previous episodes of Rule of Roost, you can listen to my heroic chair smashing of last week um, on iTunes or on the Spurs Statman website, spursstatman.com, which is run by the boss man JP, who you can follow on Twitter at Spurs. Statman, yeah, that's the one. Um, also, remember to send in any articles or any pieces of football writing that you want to have published on a good, reputable website um, to our to our resident editor now, um, who I'm just getting. I think his, it's Steve Gen ninety three up now. That's it. I know we've got to remember Steve Jen, double N, Steve Jen 93, Steve Jennings. Very nice lad. Looks a bit like Harry Kane in his uh, in his profile picture, actually. That's what I said to him when he changed it. But anyway, um, so yeah, do that. Uh, and follow our account at 
RTRSSM. Uh, yeah, more from us next week. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>